Hello and welcome back to Happy Hour with Victabulous. This is Victor once more, uh, Victoria's husband for those who haven't picked up by now, filling in for my beloved since she's still not feeling too hot. Uh, just want to come at you with a special edition episode since we're going to be going into Valentine's Day here coming up. So why not celebrate, you know, with uh, yours truly, with a truly unique love story. Um, deals with, you know, a couple of different things. But uh, we're going to cover Wrist Cutters, A Love Story, 2006. It's a comedy, drama, fantasy uh, from, again, year 2006. Uh, it's about a film set in a strange afterlife that's reserved specifically for people who have committed suicide. Uh, I know suicide can be a touchy topic, um, especially, you know, from my own family. I've, I've had a couple family members, you know, take their own life and... Ooh, it's always a hard thing to swallow. You know, I, I've, I'm not going to lie, I've been depressed pretty much my whole life, and you just eventually learn how to deal with it. And trust me, I know those crushing dark moments, they uh, they tend to creep up on everybody. No one's really spared from it. You just got to know that it's, it's not the answer to take your life, you know. I always say it's dark before dawn, and, you know, I try to you know, that, that thought first and foremost in my thoughts. So, you know, uh, but yeah, seriously, uh, suicide's no joke. Um, and I mean, I don't, I don't mean to quote logic here, but you know, 800-273-8255. That's the national suicide prevention hotline. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for help, don't be afraid to reach out, you know, let, let the, the best way to get through this is to let people know that you're not doing okay. And honestly, that's okay, especially now. Uh, we're really going through some things that, like, not even our grandparents, you know, really uh, experienced. With uh, with literally, like, our economy basically going belly up, uh, suffering through a global pandemic, and political parties really getting out of control. It's it's easy to you know fall into that that depression that like I said it just creeps up on you but you know you gotta remember um, there are people out there who will listen and if you need help do not be afraid to ask for it that's I cannot stress that enough but uh, you didn't come here to get depressed right we came here to talk about uh, love which uh, again I picked this movie since it's it's a unique look at a uh, at love considering it's it's about a young man whose heart's been broken and kind of chooses the not well you know the selfish way out um only to find out that the afterlife for people who commit suicide is is pretty much what they did in life except uh a bit more gray and no one seems to smile uh this movie surprisingly has like a lot of actors that i personally know like at least that i enjoy watching uh, will arnett is in here uh, there's Tom Waits, um, Nick Offerman, you know, um, those are like the names that immediately jump out like that I, you know, recognize from most of their stuff they did. But there's also like Mark Boone Jr., who I believe was in Sons of Anarchy. But, you know, that aside, I, <laughs> I'm not Victoria, so I don't, you know, recognize these actors immediately and be like, oh, wait, he was in, you know, that one TV show once as a cameo. But... <laughs> Oh, God, I love my wife. Um, she's my personal IMDb. Uh, even the other day, she 
she ripped into me hard. Um, we were watching, or we opened up Netflix to watch whatever, and there was the uh, movie Malcolm and Marie, uh, which stars uh, Zendaya and John David Washington. Um, I uh, I started watching the trailer, and you know, after watching it with Victoria, you know, Victoria's like, "Oh my God, that looks pretty good." And she's like, ah, he looks, you know, he looks and sounds just like a young version of his father, you know, referring to um, John Washington here. But I, you know, <laughs> I I lack the skill that, you know, my wife does. And she's like, you know whose son that is, right? And I drew a blank and I threw out like the person I, I thought he heard, you know, sounded like. And, um, you know, shamefully, I said that I didn't know, like, shrugged and just said like Chavik Bozeman and she <laughs> uh I love my wife but you know when she scalds people with the best of them so I uh I just shamefully put my head down and let her berate me for you know a good two minutes <laughs> uh but you know that's love that's absolutely love you know she she was like I I am so in disbelief <laughs> that you know I, I would be so audacious to say something like that um <laughs> but I digress you know and I was in I was in good faith and I I think that's kind of why I keep Victoria around just to have her you know IMDB uh knowledge at hand whenever you know I see someone like is that you know with the faintest idea who that is oh god I love my wife um I digress so again this is a special Valentine's Day episode and uh if nothing I want to you know, let you take away this, but, uh, you know, we, we celebrate Valentine's day, you know, as, as a celebration of love, but some people don't really know who, you know, Valentine's was in, in particular St. Uh, Valentine, which, uh, I like to just say, um, and I'm looking at some notes here just so I'm not going on completely off base, but on February 14th, around the year of 27 AD. So, you know, we're talking after the birth of Christ, uh, Valentine, a holy priest in Rome, um, in the days of Emperor uh, Caedius, <laughs> Claudius, I, wow, uh, Claudius II was executed. Um, he was publicly beaten before he was beheaded uh, because um, under Claudius, like Rome, um, how do I put it? Like Claudius uh, was also called Claudius the Cruel. Uh, was really like more focused on the fact that like he wanted to build a stronger military so he believed that Roman men were like unwilling to like join the army because they had a strong attachment to like wives and families so to get rid of the problem uh, Claudius basically said nope no one's getting married like literally just saying no one's getting married um, so that being said St. Valentine here you know was like yeah, that that's not gonna fly in my book. So he actually like married people in secret. So you know that's, that's super sweet. Uh, until you know, Claudius find out, uh, found that out, and condemned them to death. Which, like I said, he was uh, dragged into like a public street where he was beaten and beheaded. Which once more, the uh, sentence was carried out on February fourteenth. You know, in or about the year of you know twenty seventy. Kind of a kind of fun right <laughs> but you know i digress it's it's more the romantic notion that you know even under like a tyrannical rule that love wins which bottom line is hell yeah it does 
now I could keep going and, you know, start waxing philosophically, you know, and put on my like glasses and uh, push them up, up the bridge of my nose and be like that, um, actually guy, which to be fair, if you know me, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell, which I love and loathe at the same time. You know, I can start going into the whole pagan side of it, you know, with the whole worship of, um, you know, fertility gods and all that other fun stuff. But let's let's not stray any farther. Uh, the fact is, you came here to hear another movie review slash discussion, <laughs> which I have segued so far away from already. So let's uh, let's not tarry too far and once more get back into it. Cue music. So, uh, Risk Cutters, a love story. Uh, once more, it's directed by Goran uh, Dukic, who, uh, who kind of co-wrote, or I'm sorry, uh, who co-wrote it with Edgar uh, Carter. <laughs> Carrot. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I neglected to say that um, I am actually not having anything to drink. I'm just really tired. <laughs> I'm uh, recording this after work, which I need to admit that might not be a good idea, but uh it's in the wee hours of the morning and i work the graveyard shift so i'm doing this before i go to sleep so as opposed to my drunken stumbling and rambling this is going to be more of like a uh sleep creeping in uh review and discussion (laughs) so uh, i apologize for all my slurs and misspeakings that's going to be coming but i promise you i'm home safe and uh yeah just gonna crawl right into bed after i finish this so moving back on uh, again, Goran Dukic and Edgar Carrot, K E R E T. Uh, Edgar here is really the the brain uh, behind the whole thing going on because I guess this uh, story itself is based off of like a short story he wrote uh, called Neller's Happy Campers, um, which you know it's uh, it's kind of what the movie took inspiration from but uh getting back into it so the plot uh takes place about a young man uh by the name of zia or z z i a is uh his name here played by uh patrick fugitz uh takes his own life he finds himself in an after like uh, afterlife limbo much the same as life but slightly worse the color is dim, there are no stars, and no one can smile. And he's, like, working at, like, a dead-end job, like, at a pizza place. And, like I said, it's it's really just kind of makes you regret killing yourself if you're, you know, brought into such a, like, dull, boring place. Uh, the strange realm is populated by people who have died by suicide, such as Eugene, played by Shea Wingham a Russian musician who lives with his mother, father, and brother, who are all suicide victims. Um, uh, the a little trivia here, but I guess they based uh, Eugene here off of a couple different characters, but as a fan of uh, Gogo Bordello, I want to say they based this character completely off of Eugene Hutz, who's the lead singer of the band Gogo Bordello. Um, has, you know, the, the Russian accent and all that good stuff. Uh, gypsy punk band which if you've never heard of them they have like so much energy they're a lot of fun uh give them a chance you know that's my musical suggestion here uh 
But again, enough uh, getting distracted with other stuff. Um, there's there's a scene here with uh, Eugene's brother, like that they specifically show since he's he's already had like a, a bout with depression his whole life. Uh, it's it's exaggerated in a couple different scenes of him growing up and him struggling with it. And like the first instance is this uh, scene of his little brother who like just lost a, a soccer game. He's I don't know probably about like ten eleven. Or supposed to be in you know that old in this scene here, and uh, he starts yelling for his brother, you know, Eugene, Eugene, come here. And he goes, you know, Eugene comes out of the room and smoking a cigarette, and he just sees his little brother still wearing his you know uh, soccer jersey, and he's standing on like the kitchen table with a, a noose made out of like a jump rope around his neck, and he's just so depressed, and he's like, I, I. I don't understand how the like better team can lose. Um, give me like, tell me if you like, what what is the purpose of life? I don't understand it. Like, if you can't tell me now, like I I will kill myself. And Eugene just again lights a cigarette and just he's like, you know, get down and I'll tell you. And you know, little brother like kind of agrees to it and he climbs off the table and like the music is like this touching score, you know, sweet like big brother is about to lay some, you know honest truth down on little brother help him through this dark time and you know little brother comes up and he looks up to eugene (laughs) before eugene just slaps the taste out of his mouth (laughs) and without a a further word um just turns around and goes back into his room well so it's just i I don't want to say that's how all russian families are but i i maybe it is because i am part russian i totally get it it's just like there's that's in a way that is kind of how like the meaning of life is it's just life you know life is rough (laughs) if you want to be that guy life's a bitch and then you die um but man uh maybe i'm going a little too dark again again um yeah um together they waste most of their light uh afterlives in a bar until uh zia learns that like from a friend uh brian who's played by Jake Busey, that is ex-girlfriend uh, Desiree, who's played by Leslie Bibi, Bib, uh, <laughs> B-I-B-B, uh, took her own life shortly after Z's death. Um, so, you know, being a love-struck individual, he takes uh, Eugene on a, a road trip to find her in Eugene's, like, rundown car. Early on, it's revealed that Eugene's car has two idiosyncrasies. There's a black hole underneath the passenger seat where items that like fall or that drop underneath or roll underneath the seat just forever disappear. And the headlights are broken. Uh, that can't be fixed even by the most like adept mechanic. So wherever he goes to get it fixed or if he tries to fix them himself, they just they never seem to work. On their trip, they pick up a hitchhiker. Uh, Michael, M-I-K-A-L, who insists that she arrives there on mistake and is seeing the change in people, a.k.a. the pick, in order to be sent back. So once more, like I said, that uh, that sleeplessness is actually kicking in. Um, (laughs) uh, Michael here says she's arrived by mistake and is seeing the people in charge. Yeah, my eyes are that tired. 
uh, aka the pick <laughs> in order to be sent back all right uh after a few adventures across the countryside the trio journey along a desolate highway uh michael pushes a button miraculously activating the broken headlights on eugene's car shortly thereafter they come across a man lying in the middle of the highway forcing them to veer off the road uh, in order to avoid hitting him and they wreck the car in the process um the man laying on the ground is uh, named Neller, played by Tom Waits, which I mentioned him earlier, uh, I believe, in the uh, Jojo Rabbit episode. Uh, I mentioned that one of his songs is played at the beginning of the movie. Uh, but again, Tom Waits, again, totally eccentric, uh, avant-garde character, like he's in a... What else is he in? He's in the movie um, Mystery Men. He plays the uh, the engineer, the guy who designs the weapons. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just eccentric through and through, and that's what he plays in this movie, like an an yeah an eccentric commune leader, um, which he had fallen asleep looking for his dog just in the middle of the highway. Uh, but he invites him back to the camp, where he discovers that uh, minor miracles occur in this area. Uh, as long as the campers remain completely apathetic about the results. So going back to the topic of love here, uh, I need to specifically point this out and the fact that uh, Victoria's sister, Brianna, who I cannot thank enough for editing these, having to put up with all my uhs and pauses and my, you know, pseudo-drunken ramblings. Um, this is uh, This is where I actually got the little speech I gave her and Zach on their wedding day and it goes a little something like this so Brianna I, I totally botched it when I tried to tell you this but here's here it is line for line so I'm not going to mess it up this time <clears throat> and no I'm not going to read it like Tom Waits because then I'd have to start talking like this and I think that kind of changes everything up I digress uh, once upon a time there was a crooked tree and a straight tree and they grew next to each other. And every day, the straight tree would look at the crooked tree, and he would say, you're crooked, and you've always been crooked, and you'll continue to be crooked. But look at me, look at me, said the straight tree. He said, I'm tall, and I'm straight. And then one day, the lumberjacks came into the forest and looked around, and the manager in charge said, cut all the straight trees and that crooked tree is still there to this day growing strong growing strange so the takeaway there or at least that i tried to apply to their marriage um is that they they need to stay weird with each other because clearly strange begets strange and just grows strong and continues to grow so brianna zach I love you guys. I love you guys so much. So again, uh, after discovering that like these minor minor miracles occur, as long as like the campers remain apathetic about the results, um, the group tends or winds up staying longer than intended. Uh, Zia begins like obsessing over the miracles and his like inability to perform them, and like it's it's a contrast to. Um, Michael's obsession with like meeting the people in charge 
and she reveals that her death like was by accidental overdose uh, and after that uh, Eugene meets a young woman who's a mute uh, named Nanook like with whom he romances you know it's 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 sweet uh, you know she she hums along he's a musician so I think they kind of click on something like that but yeah, it's kind of sweet. And then you know they, they show the poor girl how she passed away, which uh, apparently she froze to death. <laughs> Why am I laughing? That's that's really sad. I guess that's just you know the black uh, black humor or what's what's the fun word? Gallows humor. It's just death. You kind of have to laugh at because he sure as hell is laughing at all of us. Whew. Uh, just as Michael and Zia discuss their plan to leave like Neller's camp, uh, another camper, Jan, emerges from the woods with news that Neller's dog has actually been abducted by a cult leader called Messiah King, played by everyone's favorite deep-throated voice of Lego Batman himself, Will Arnett. Uh, Neller, Zia, Michael, and Jan all set off to in search of King and Neller's dog. But the group finds themselves lost and decide to camp for the night. Unable to sleep, Michael and Zia discover a nearby ocean shore where they kiss and spend the night together. Which, you know, totally romantic. But in the morning, when Neller uh, discovers them lying on a seashore of, like, used condoms and hypodermic needles, it kind of, again, shows this world that they're living in. That It's just, it's like ours, but you know moderately worse oh man uh could you imagine like trump in that kind of universe Ooh, i just got political let's let's take that back i'm sorry i'm sorry i even brought that up <sighs> the group eventually reaches king's camp where they discover the king is readying himself for a real miracle which he plans on separating his soul from his body as neller confronts king uh, zia discovers that uh, Desiree is a devout cult follower, having taken her own life for the purpose of following King into the afterlife. So again, um, that kind of implies that, like the King, <laughs> was some kind of you know, suicide cult leader in our, you know, world, before he killed himself and you know had the others take their lives in a similar fashion, like a uh, Heaven's Gate or something like that. As the king is about to perform like a public ritual suicide, basically like getting the idea that, hey, we can all escape this hell by killing ourselves. <laughs> um, you know, which, which is an even stranger thought, because if you discover that the world, you know, after killing yourself is already bleak enough, you know, can you imagine what the following would be like? Would it be even bleaker? Just some kind of finish... Uh, existential film where it's just like some dude sitting out in the desert by himself oh yeah that'd be bad all oh, with subtitles in black and white uh, but I digress um, so uh, he goes to kill himself but that's when Neller reveals himself to be an undercover agent for the people in charge and King and Desiree are taken away while um Michael decides to leave with uh, Neller and the other people in charge who show up to kind of stop um, King from killing himself. Uh, 
but while Michael's leaving with them, she promises Zia that, you know, she'll return, she'll come back for him. And as Zia waits, uh, Eugene and Nanook arrive explaining that, like, because, you know, Zia's waiting there for a little bit, but, you know, there's no sign of uh, Michael and uh, Mikkel. Uh, I, sorry, sleep. Um, M-I-K-A-L. Like Michael, right? not going crazy here <laughs> i could use it this whole time and i just decided to point that out oh boy uh but eugene and nanook arrive explaining that michael has returned to life and neller's camp has been shut down since you know neller's going back to doing his thing as an under uh, as an angel uh they depart like uh that is um eugene and nanook depart on a train giving uh, Eugene's car to Zia after finally performing a miracle, creating a star with a lit match next to the one that Michael created earlier. Zia decides to take the car and wander. While he's turning the cassette tape uh, over to place it in the stereo, it accidentally falls onto the passenger side, uh, passenger's feet side area, and reaches down to get it and accidentally gets sucked into the black hole under the car seat where it cuts to a large warehouse filled with halls of boxes, kind of like Last Crusade style, where there's just a bunch of like different boxes, or in this case, I believe they're like filing, you know, those cardboard filing boxes. Uh, Neller is seen picking up Zia's file from a box and placing it inside his breast pocket and commenting, uh, commenting on how fortunate he is to know people in high places. And it shows Zia waking up in his hospital bed. You know, uh, as in he's brought back to life. Um, that his suicide didn't stick. And, you know, he, he's managed to be rushed to the hospital in time to be saved. So he turns his head, uh, noting that his, his parents are outside talking to the doctors. As in they, you know, they found poor Zia dead. And, oof, that's... <laughs> Oh, that's got to be just heart-wrenching, right? Just to find your child in such a position. But, hey, good parents, right? They, they did the right thing, and they saved their son. And uh, Zia, again, kind of looks around the room, and he notices the person uh, who's next to his bed, which happens to be Michael. They both kind of wake up, look at each other, and they smile, and that's when the film comes to an end. Yeah, this review is a little bit short. Um, I mean, the movie itself is like 88 minutes, so it's not too terribly long. And it's pretty succinct, at least with the details. I mean, it's it's more so like a visual medium than anything. But, you know, I kind of give the broader strokes there. Uh, like I said, it's, it's pretty short uh, review this week. Um, I admittedly recorded this one kind of last minute because... Uh, you know, I, I did another movie review, and I was like, well, that, that's not really too infitting with the fact we're going to be going into Valentine's Day, and figured I'd try to do something kind of on theme without, you know, without being too schlocky and be like, let's do Twilight, because, you know, I figure if I do Twilight, i got to have Victoria here with me, or else I'm the weird 30-year-old dude who's talking about Twilight movies, uh, having never read the books, and honestly, the only time I have seen the twilight movies um was with a audio commentary track 
by the uh, guys who did Mystery Science Theater playing in the background. So they're just cracking jokes the whole time. So really took me out of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I digress. Um, I Not really too much uh, trivia here. I mean, I, I kind of threw stuff in as I was going, but uh, something I just read here. But um, they used a lot of artists uh, who unfortunately took their own life. I, maybe just kind of hammering home like the fact that uh, this world is supposed to be something steeped entirely in suicide. Like uh, they have Joy Divisions, Love Will Tear Us Apart, and uh, Christian Death's Death Wish, which can be heard in the background. And both bands were fronted by singers who have, you know, committed suicide. Uh, yeah, so this movie ironically introduced me to um, Gogo Bardello, the band um really enjoyed it and it's like i said they're they're a fun gypsy punk uh rock band from you know various parts of uh europe lead singers like i believe ukrainian if i'm not mistaken if not russian uh eugene hutz he's he's a character in its own i uh, i'm not gonna lie i i got called him uh or at least said that i looked similar to him by one of my russian professors which you know uh, that kind of boosted my ego, which I love. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is the first time I heard his music, which I didn't know it was him. Uh, yeah, he's he's quite the character. There's there's another movie he did called uh, Everything is Illuminated with um, Elijah Woods and, again, um, Eugene Hutz. And he's, he's more or less just playing himself. Uh, uh, maybe like a more stereotypical Russian guy. So he's always wearing like an Adidas tracksuit, trying to be like a hip rapper. <laughs> um, it's just him, um, Elijah Wood, who plays a uh, young Jewish man who's going on like what's called a heritage tour, and that's where they take you around to like places where your family, you know, roots came from. And, uh, and uh, I don't know the actor himself, but. Uh, someone who's playing Gene's Hutt's grandfather and they're like who's pretending to be blind but he has a seeing eye dog yet you know the blind grandfather's driving the car uh it's it's silly but you know that movie's got a lot of heart so if uh if you actually enjoyed wrist cutters a love story then I do suggest you check out um everything's illuminated so it's, it's a really good story too um I'll probably end up reviewing that one as well if <laughs> if Victoria you know doesn't come back to stop me so, uh, yeah, I, I cannot stress this enough. I know this movie's, you know, can be bleak and might not be giving off the right uh, message here. But um, it's it's really a sweet movie. You know, if, if you kind of take away the, the fact that suicide's a constant thing in this movie. Um, to which, once more, again, uh, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is uh, 800 273 8255 um, which again you know it's good to just know that number and like I said with how crazy uh, our lives are going right now it's it's perfectly okay to be depressed it's perfectly okay to you know to realize maybe you're not doing okay but it's it's not okay to just bottle it in and just suffer in silence until you know you get so low that you can't even see which way's up anymore uh, yeah, just 
that's that's the first way you get out of that man you just got to let people know that you know you're you're not doing okay like just suffering in silence that's that's the worst thing you possibly do i mean i know i i used to do that like just the bottle everything up and just pretend like everything was okay when you know i was i was literally breaking down i you know i'm one of those people i i, I harm myself you know in, in more than one way like i you know i you know would physically hurt myself and until i i just realized that's that's not the right thing to do and honestly looking back i i am just in disbelief at how unbelievably foolish i was for doing stuff like that but uh, again, on that happy note, <laughs> uh, I want to say thank you for listening. Uh, you know, I want to wish you all a happy Valentine's Day. I sincerely hope that you do have that someone special in your life. And if not, keep looking. You're guaranteed to find someone out there. And if you don't think that's the case, I mean, just look in the mirror. Because, you know, you know that person there really should love you back. And if you don't, then, you know. Take a second, look in the mirror, say I love you. Say I love you a hundred times until, you know, you trick yourself into believing it. Like, fake it until you make it, man. Uh, but I digress. Thank you for listening. Uh, tune in next week, and happy Valentine's Day. Make sure you get a nice bottle of wine for your loved one, or get a nice bottle of wine for yourself. Either way, uh, I love you. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day, and... Bye.